into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. Today is Saturday, December 10th, and this episode is all about the Kentucky football team as we take a look from a macro level at the season as a whole, where we started, where we are today, everything in between, and where we are going in the future. And in order to do that, we need to rewind and start from the beginning. Let's take it back to the months leading up to the start of the college football season. The hype around the Kentucky football program was a real thing. On paper, we had a potential first-round NFL quarterback, a running back, destined to set the all-time rushing record for the Wildcats. Tons of skill position players, a brand new offensive coordinator who worked under one of the brightest minds in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan, in a defense that was set to take the next step in becoming one of the more dominant units in all of college football. It seemed as if we were primed to break through and potentially compete in the SEC championship game. And after a 4-0 start, including a win over rival Florida and a top 10 national rank, the sky was the limit. Unfortunately, the next, ga- the next eight games would not go as planned as Kentucky slid down the rankings with losses to Ole Miss, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Georgia, ultimately ending with a 7-5 record. Now, this is not what any of BBN had envisioned, and Sam, I know both of us had higher hopes for this season. And as we identify, oh my gosh, I totally just messed that up. I'm going to have to cut this out real quick. But what do you believe were the biggest factors causing the Cats' struggles this season? And as we identify these issues, Are these issues ones that can be fixed going forward, providing fans with optimism for the future? Or was the second half of the Cats season a sign of things to come? Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. I've been excited to do this episode because I've wanted to recap this season. There's been a lot on my mind and a lot to digest. And I'm looking forward to being able to sit down with you here today and really recap everything that the Wildcats went through this past season, AJ. And I know we still have an exciting bowl game that we touched on last episode, another opportunity to play against the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes. But I thought this was a great opportunity to reflect on everything that we accomplished this year. Um, Like you said, AJ, I think if you ask 
myself, you, or any of BBN, the common answer would be that we did not quite meet or exceed expectations this year on the gridiron, which has been tough to swallow. I mean, when you say that we finished at 7-5, you know, it, it doesn't exactly excite me, especially when you go all the way back to those preview months to the season, you know, back in late July, early August, leading into our season. I think the hype was so for real. I mean, we started the season, AJ, in the top 25, which is a rarity when we're talking about this Kentucky Wildcats football program. So it was a big year to come. And unfortunately, we just don't quite deliver. It it was a lot of factors that we kind of have to unfold and kind of discuss today, to be honest. But when you pose that question, AJ, I think this offseason, I hinted at it in previous episodes, is probably, if not the one of the most important offseasons this Kentucky football program has ever had. And when you ask the question, is the latter half of the season for this Kentucky program a forecast of things to come? Or is are these fixable issues where we can grow as a program? I think, honestly, AJ, not to be too easy on this question, it's, it's both because it depends on how we deliver moving forward. This offseason is so critical, AJ. And if I look at this back half of the season and we don't address the things that have to be addressed – then this is a program, unfortunately, that could be destined for regression. It's not anything to do with Mark Stoops and the way that he's running this football program. It's everything to do with the type of conference we are in, AJ. When we look across the landscape of the SEC, it is cutthroat, and we know that. And for years now, there have been the upper echelon computers where it's your Alabama's, your LSUs, and as of late, obviously, your Georgias. And realistically, outside of that bubble, there's been some great programs as well, and then there's just been the rest of the SEC, in my honest opinion. It feels as as of late in the last couple of years, you have really had programs turn a corner and over a new leaf and develop their programs to be in the top tier of the SEC competing for an opportunity to get there to the SEC championship. And when we recap this season, AJ, you've got the likes of LSU going to the conference championship with three losses, AJ. I mean, when you reflect, the opportunities were there. Each team at one point, not every single team in the entire SEC, but that was battling for a spot was there. I mean, when we recap this season, although we were at 7-5, and It wasn't that far off, and that's what kind of stings for me, AJ. But what I was saying is all these teams are doing the right things and moving in the right direction, and if we fail to do so, you quickly are reminded that at one point not too long ago, AJ, you were a bottom-tier SEC school, and we have worked far too much to where you can't afford regression because – the competitiveness of the recruitments, not only in now the transfer portal, but also the high school landscape, it's just too cutthroat to afford these kids to not consider Kentucky. We've done too much on the recruiting battles to be able to get 
finally some better talent. We talked about it, AJ, leading up to the season. Going up for Kentucky, we can't regress there. So, you know, in a long-winded answer there, it, it really does come down to how we approach this offseason, which, if I answer it truthfully, we've already started on a very great note, AJ. We've already done a few things that I've liked from Mark Stoops and his staff, and it's encouraging. So when you ask me that question and I answer honestly, I think no, we are not going to regress to the latter second half of this season. I think I am encouraged on what we're doing and where we're going and where Mark Stoops is taking this program. I I truly believe that he is still – the guy for the job. We obviously offered him a contract extension, making him one of the highest paid coaches in the SEC. He is our guy. He is going to get the job done. But truthfully, it's going to take an army this offseason. It truly is. There's a lot of key positions and coaching positions that we have to address. And they've got to be home runs because as we reflect on this season, AJ, it was one of the more exciting head-to-toe teams we've had in a long time, truthfully. I I mean, there were some guys that jump off the page at you, so it's going to be difficult to overcome that. When you think about this season, AJ, and we were at 7-5 and at the end of it, but we're looking at it from a different scope at the beginning of the year, and we have high hopes of another 10-win season plus, where do you think we went wrong most And do you think that's something that is going to continue for this program, kind of like you asked me, AJ? Or do you think it's something that we are able to fix in one short offseason before the gauntlet that we'll go through next year? Yeah, so Sam, um, we will ultimately later on get to these offseason moves and what's transpired already and what is on the horizon in this crucial, crucial crucial time in the Kentucky football program. Um, But how did we get to seven and five, right? And I think, as I stated in my opener, you really have to go back to the beginning because the season starts off. And like you said, Sam, we're in this position that we really haven't been in before, right? A lot of expectations, a national rank to start the season, People around the country talking about how there's potential for this team to take the next step. Some people are a little bit skeptical of it, but a lot of eyes on this Kentucky football program starting to become something that, you know, they're used to being in that underdog role, kind of somebody that the national spotlight is not on. And I think that spotlight was magnified this season because of who our quarterback was and in the fact that before the season ever even started, it was widely reported on um, from all the top NFL scouts and people who are surrounded by the draft, um, including Mel Kuyper, who is kind of the, the top of that chain right there. And he's talking about Will Levis being a top 10 pick, a top five pick, him being one of his highest rated quarterbacks. 
being able to come into the NFL in the next season. And so that was kind of a role that our program was not accustomed to. And I think for a lot of people, it'd be really easy to say, well, oh, we didn't handle that well and we're better as the underdog and all those sorts of things. But I don't necessarily think that was the case. I think that you saw at the start of the season, we got we got dealt a very bad hand from the beginning and we worked very hard those first four weeks to get through it without our star running back, Chris Rodriguez. And I think that, Sam, that's something that we really have to pay attention to is his absence at the beginning of the season. It is very crucial for those those reps in training camp and leading into the season and being around your teammates. And I think that that had a lot bigger effect, even though we won those four games without him, I think you know, as you pay attention to those games, it was very clear. We're not running the ball. Well, just think back, everybody. What did we talk about on this podcast week after week? The lack of the run game and the fact that we relied on Will Levis to carry us through the air, through those games. And those were against teams that we should have been able to just run away and hide from. And we, we really never did. Right. You get the big win on the road at Florida. That was great. You know, really kicked off the season in a positive fashion. That's two years in a row now. We've done the same thing where we've come out at the beginning of the season and we've taken care of business, beating Florida along the way. Here's where we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of everything that transpired this year. And for me, Sam, there are three massive takeaways, and I think that they all flow together and will make sense into why we had some of the struggles that we had, right? Number one, biggest issue in my eyes the entire season and why we ultimately lost five games. And it was our lack of production in the red zone, Sam. Overall, even with Chris Rodriguez out in the lack of the run game at the beginning of the season, as the season progressed, we continued to get better and better as that went along. We were able to move the ball on a lot of teams around the country, including Louisville, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Georgia. I don't know why I just said Louisville. That was because ours was our last game. But Georgia, we were able to move the ball. But what ultimately we were not able to do in that game was score in the red zone on a consistent basis. And it was something we dealt with mm-hmm. all season long. We yeah. ended the season with 53% touchdown rate in the red zone, which ranked outside the top 100 in college football. You are not going to win games when you cannot score the football end of story that's it no and i'm i'm glad you brought that up aj not to to interrupt you here but it poses a great question that i want your opinion on do you think that was a lack of execution on our players or do you think that was a lack of creativity and execution on our offensive coordinator Rich Gangarello. I mean, where does that fall within this year? I mean, we've got to find it. It could be a combination of both, but what's your honest take? Yeah, so Sam, I think that there's blame to go around, um, but you cannot deny the fact that the previous season, we did a lot better in the red zone. We were one of the better teams in the nation at hunkering down in the red zone and finding a way to get in the end zone. And you know what? I think that 
a lot of it has to do let me answer it this way, Sam, and I, I think I'm going to go back to what I was talking about before, and then I'm, I'm going to get here, because my second biggest takeaway from the season was the lack of blocking from our offense, and that includes our receivers, our tight ends, and most importantly, our offensive line, right? And that lock, lack of blocking is what leads me to my third point, and that's Will Levis's health, and his health is a direct reflection of the blocking in front of him, okay? He got away somewhat unscathed through the first four weeks of the season, and then we traveled down to Ole Miss, Sam, in game five, and he took some absolute shots, right? Come to find out this guy was playing with some serious shoulder pain and and turf toe for the majority of the season. I don't think most people understand how much of a nagging injury that is and it is is extremely painful it is extremely painful and the fact that he has to get his power from his legs and be able to move around in the pocket and his footwork is so important to what he does as a quarterback let's just take a second pause time out can we give this man some credit sam for dealing with these, in- the fact that he only missed one game this season to me just says everything you need to know about Will Levis. Just completely battled through some really tough times with the team losing, him being hurt, banged up, and yet he came out every week, led his team. Even in the tough times, he stepped up, he took ownership for what was going on, and he continued to lead this football team. And, you know, things could have gone really south and and we were able to get some victories and have some really awesome moments. And a lot of that is is because of his leadership and what he did. So I just wanted to take a second and say, dude is the man. He's an absolute warrior. And that's why he is still getting that that hype and recognition in, in as far as the NFL is concerned and why, hey, maybe his stats don't look great this year, but you know what? people can see through those sorts of things. So that lack of keeping him upright and healthy, 43 sacks, Sam, 43 sacks. And a couple of them are on Kaya Sharon, but the majority of those are all Will Levis getting hit. And so he gets hurt in that Ole Miss game, Sam. He's not the same since. But there is a complete lack of creativity in our offense. And Sam, I think a lot of it was very... They run a pro-style offense, and with Rich Gangarello coming in this season, he's asking these guys to digest and learn so much information, and I think he put way too much on the plate of our players and overcomplicated things throughout the season, and you saw at times our offense struggling, kind of looking around at each other, saying... Like we just never completely got on the same page. And so that was his job. That was his job coming in when he did the off season leading up the entire season. And I think it, there was a clear lack of being able to adjust and adapt to the talent you had on your team and being able to find a way to score points. And instead you can, you continued to do the same thing all season and you continued to put our team and our offense in bad positions all year long. So Sam, I think a lot of that has to go on him. And ultimately that's, that's the absolute reason why 
he is no longer going to be the offensive coordinator for the Kentucky Wildcats going forward. And, you know, he had his audition for the year, and I'm going to say it just did not go well. And, you know, he... I hope Rich the best and maybe in a different environment he can thrive and do some good things. I just it wasn't the best fit for us. Couple that with the lack of protection on Will Levis, him being banged up, not being able to score points, and that's how you lose five football games through the course of an SEC season, Sam. Regardless of who you're playing, it doesn't matter. You saw it. We lost to Vandy this year, right? You can get beat by anybody in this conference. And as you said and alluded to earlier, Sam, everybody in this conference is working to get better and better and better, and nobody is going in the opposite direction. So it just tells you everything right there. We have to continue to strive to get better and do all the right things and put the people in place to get going forward. So, you know, I know that's a lot to unpack right there, Sam, and, and, But those were my three biggest things as far as what transpired throughout our season causing us to lose those games. The the lack of execution in the red zone, the terrible blocking for our offense resulting in our quarterback dealing with some pretty serious injuries that he had to fight through and work through with an offensive coordinator that really wasn't giving him any help throughout the season. So Sam... Did you see the same thing that I saw, or are there some other things that you think went into some of the disappointment that ended up being during our season? No, I, I, for the most part, I saw exactly what you saw. My notes are filled of offense, for the most part, AJ. And, I mean, that glaring 43 sacks is just it's it's something you can't overcome as a team, AJ. And, and when you look at the teams that are down there with us, with allowing that many sacks, none of them had a crazy successful year. I, I mean, none of them, AJ. If you look through any of those teams through 100 to 131, we're at 124 and most sacks allowed this season. I mean, that that's just a recipe for a disaster. And I think when you married it beautifully with our lack of execution in the red zone and creativity with the offensive weapons that we had with our offensive coordinator, it was just, it was a little too much to overcome at times throughout the season. We showed defensively, AJ, that, and we are still at this moment and we were all season long, we were a top 15 defense in the entire country and they consistently gave us opportunities to win football games. But like you said, when you're not putting up points on the board, it's extremely difficult to win. And that's what you saw. I mean, five tough losses. I think you alluded to it best. There's a couple ones that still gut me, AJ, that are just inexcusable that are going to leave a sour taste when I reflect on this previous season moving forward. I mean, despite everything that we didn't do well, like you said, with our blocking, with our execution in the red zone, we still had opportunities to win football games because of how strong our defense was and because of who our quarterback was and Will Levis, who our running back was, and Chris Rodriguez. And that's what's disappointing because – 
you can't lose to Vandy, AJ. They, they finished with two wins in the SEC this year, one coming against us, the next coming against the following week against a just pitiful Florida team that had trended in the opposite direction all year long and just couldn't quite put the pieces together under a new coach. And then, I mean, the rest, you can I, I can sit here and argue with you all night, AJ, because we at one point were looking at South Carolina as a terrible loss. They quickly proved that they were a top 25 team in the country. However, when we played them, I, I still look at that loss as you're at home. That's a, that's an inexcusable loss. I, that's how I still feel. And we could go back and forth. We could go. Kickstarted you know, their. It kickstarted the back half correct. of their season. It's exactly what it did. It gave them the momentum and the belief of who they were as a football team. And then you saw who they were. Spencer Rattler completely turned the corner. And it really was, Sam. It was just. A, it was a second half in which they kind of just took over that game, and it. It kickstarted them, but yeah, back to you, man. I didn't mean to. No, you're you're absolutely right, and, and that's almost when I look back, AJ. That's a that's a game that is so pivotal for both programs, and we come out on the losing end. And when you look at it, the rest of the wins that we had, AJ, were against at the time number sixteen Mississippi State at home. Then we have a win at Missouri and then a win at home against Louisville. When I look at those wins, AJ, don't get me wrong. I think Mississippi State, that win was a gutty. Mark Stoops gets everyone incredibly prepared to make sure that we don't let our season go to the dumpster fire. I mean, truthfully, he was able to grit out a win with our team and salvage a season that was on the skids. But then when you go to the, you know, 360 degree view and you look at it from afar, that backhand half of the season is just, it's incredibly pitiful, AJ, because you lose to Ole Miss, you lose to South Carolina, you save your season from completely tanking by winning another game at home against a Mississippi State team that trended at the end of the season in the opposite direction. You get absolutely murdered by Tennessee. You beat a Missouri team that is nothing to write home about. And you barely do it, AJ. We were sweating that one. You lose to Vandy at home. You give up a good effort. I will give them an applause against Georgia at home. And then you salvage your season with just a moral victory against very inferior. I don't care if they're the top, in the top 25 when we played them, AJ, Louisville team. And that's realistically where we're going to always look back and look at the season and just say, gosh, all those things amounted to too much to overcome on the back half of the season. Front half of the season, AJ, we had those glaring issues, but we were fresh enough into the season to where we were able to find success. Back half of the season, everyone in conference play is just as banged up as you are. You got to find ways to win because you're the better team and you execute at the critical parts of the game. We were unable to do that towards the end of the season, AJ, and our issues just became more and more glaring. And, you know, I'm not saying it was a complete bust of the season. I'm not. Like you said, there were some special moments. Beating Florida at Florida again was a very special moment. I don't care where they finished on the year. Going into Gainesville is always extremely difficult, AJ. 
you do get a very meaningful win against Mississippi State at home to salvage our fan base, to be honest. I mean, that was a game where you almost think, you know, everyone's jumping ship and getting ready for basketball, AJ. So kudos to Mark Stoops and, and that team for being able to do something there. But it's just disappointing. But but I do see the exact same issues that, that you had, AJ, the exact same issues. And I do think health played a critical role, and it was a role that was very hush-hush, I mean, truthfully. I mean, we all knew Will Levis was banged up, but that's where my biggest gripe comes, AJ, because we knew Will Levis was banged up. We knew our offensive line couldn't hold for more than three seconds, and our offensive coordinator refused to show adjustments and the ability to play call, which ultimately killed us. I mean, we we showed that we had the weapons, that we had the quarterback and the running back to get down the field and drive against great defenses in our conference, but we couldn't finish. And, and then the last thing that you didn't mention, AJ, that we maybe never expected going into the season to be a glaring issue, but was our ability to put three points on the board, AJ. I, I mean, it, it's you got to come away with points. And when you say we're just over 50% success rate after getting into the red zone, that includes kicking. And that is just inexcusable, AJ, because then as a team, and you didn't see it much, we didn't ever typically go for it. We never truly abandoned the kick game. And that almost killed us because we still had faith in Matt Ruffalo and his ability to kick through the uprights. And unfortunately, for the majority of the season, he consistently showed he couldn't do it. And losing points like that on drives just breaks you when you are a team that is struggling to find your identity in the red zone. And then you're like, okay, at least we're going to get three out of this drive. And over and over again, AJ, you're not getting anything. That really kills the momentum from a game to game and from a beginning to the end of the season. That's my honest opinion. No, Sam, that's I'm, the last thing that stood out to me. No, I, I'm I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I meant to honestly touch on that earlier when I talked about our red zone offense, and I I didn't. But when you think about the struggle struggles in the red zone, and then okay, so you don't get seven, right? It is absolutely imperative to get those three points. I don't care what people say. Get the point. You got to get the points, right? You can't walk away from possessions empty. And so the lack of our kicking game, it really, really, really magnifies the problems that we had on offense because at that point, Sam, we are just throwing points away. And it was very clear this season that we were not a team that could ever afford to just throw points away. We needed those points, as many of them as we could possibly get throughout the season. And, you know, that's kind of just how our season was in general. The opportunities were there. They were all there, Sam, as you stated earlier. The opportunities were there for us to score the points and we didn't. The opportunities were there for us to win some of these games, and we didn't. So it's disappointing, Sam. It really is. But I think as we look back at this season, there are definitely a lot of good things that happen. And because of that, and where we are as a team, I think there definitely is a lot of optimism for the future 
as you stated earlier, though, with the caveat of what transpires throughout the course of this offseason. And it's already started to heat up, Sam. We have not even gotten to our bowl game yet. And it seems like an absolute whirlwind around the entire college football landscape. Also, what's going on in Lexington. We touched on it earlier. Rich Scangarello out as offensive coordinator of the Kentucky Wildcats. We don't need to go too much more into that. I think we highlighted his deficiencies as our offensive coordinator. And Sam, the way that things have transpired, I think it was very clear to me that as soon as Mark Stoops saw the sliver of light that led back to Liam Cohen, he absolutely ran through it as fast as he could to bring back somebody who provided the Kentucky football team and offense more specifically with a ton of spark and explosivity and most importantly, consistency. What does the hire of Liam Cohen mean? And then what other coaching changes have already taken place and Sam, where do we go to replace them? Yeah, I mean, what does it mean? It's it's a complex question because the first direction I want to take this this question, AJ, is it means that to me we missed out on a huge opportunity this previous season because Although I'm extremely excited for what's to come, we don't quite have the exact same. It's not even quite. We, we don't have the pieces next year. We will have great pieces, and we'll get into that, AJ. I'm very excited about next season, so don't misquote me there. However, given the hype that we had this year, AJ, it, it really is a little disappointing to me. And by all means, I'm glad Liam Combe got the opportunity to go back to the NFL after, you know, the Rams get a Super Bowl win and he's sitting there on his couch in Lexington wondering, you know, what the hell? I, I just helped build that offense. They go and win a Super Bowl. That that should have been me. And and I get it. And he gets a great opportunity to go back and, and do what he loves in the biggest of stage. And unfortunately, it doesn't work out for him. Fortunately for us, it does. And now he's back in Lexington. But it does. It just makes me wonder, like, what will, what would we have been able to accomplish with a different OC at the helm. I'm not saying it could have been completely different. We saw our deficiencies with our blocking ability, not only, like you said, the line, but our skilled positions as well. So, I mean, who's to say we don't sit here, AJ, today and have the exact same conversation that we finished seven and five and it was a little underwhelming as far as what we are expecting out of the year. But that's the first way, like when I got super excited that, the announcement was made and Liam Cohen's returning home to Lexington. That's kind of what I thought of. And I mean, it's difficult not to just because it could have been a very exciting year. I mean, Mark Stoops alluded to it, AJ, prior to the season that the expectations were let's get to the final Saturday of the year and make the SEC championship game. And although that 
maybe now looking back seems as though a lofty goal, I do think it was attainable. I really do. And I, I said, AJ, I mean, the SEC was more wide open than it's been in years because we saw giants and Goliaths like Alabama and other company falter throughout the season time and time again. And although I'm sitting here today probably predicting that Georgia will win the national championship, AJ, and they have an opportunity to win it all without losing a single game, they still faltered at times in the season, AJ. And it was the inability of some other teams and programs to catch them while they're down, cut their throat, and get a W. And that just shows how good of this Georgia Bulldogs team is because great teams find ways in any circumstances to win that football game. But that's kind of where the direction I wanted to take it first. Secondly, now to take it the other direction, in which probably is the intention of why you asked that question, AJ. Getting Liam Cohen back is that first puzzle to this very critical offseason. It is extremely vital because we need to show the recruits that we are getting through the, through the portal and through ways of high school that we are building something that is exciting offensively. Because let's be honest, AJ, for the past decade or so, we have always been a defense-first team. And if we look at the college landscape, especially after a season like this, scoring came in abundance. And even the SEC, which has always been just smash mouth, win in the trenches, and it always will be, AJ, but teams are finding a way to score a lot of points. And it's critical to show these star recruits that you got to come to Lexington because we got something going. And getting Liam is that first piece to this offseason, AJ. I mean, truthfully, it's going to play a role to build something. And when I look at Liam Combe, I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping we can build consistency because that's what this program needs right now offensively, AJ. We have gone through three offensive coordinators in three years, and we need him to stick around and build something special for this program that recruits can see a conglomerate of efforts, not just one season here and there. I mean, it's difficult, guys. I mean, I'm telling you, it's difficult to go out and recruit when you've got a revolving door at OC. So that that is absolutely an awesome opportunity, and I'm very thankful that Liam's returning to Lexington. And with that being said, on the back end of your question, AJ, you're seeing it already kind of unfold. Now, I can't guarantee that this is accurate, but you started to alluding to, like, where do we need to address? I mean, obviously, we are losing some key pieces, and quarterback Will Levis and running back Chris Rodriguez. Cavassier Smoke has already entered the transfer portal, AJ. We've got wide receivers leaving as well and transferring. We've got offensive tackles transferring or graduating i mean there are a lot we've got linebackers graduating there are a lot of places we need to go after but you already see it kind of starting to come into fruition we don't have a running back yet but we may have a quarterback it sounds like it's going to be confirmed maybe it's not aj but as of right now graham mertz from wisconsin has stated that he is transferring. It was confirmed by sources at ESPN that he was transferring to the University of Kentucky. However, um, it hasn't been finalized. And I do think, AJ, I mean, this is just my honest opinion, that 
that all unfolds now that Liam Combe, as of today, announces that he's coming back to Lexington. I think that was in the works prior while he was trying to make his transition from the NFL back to Lexington. A lot of things are moving. There's a lot of variables that you have to factor in, but it seems as though they're quickly going into the recruitment efforts and they will get transfers here and there to be finalized. But it seems like they're off to the races, AJ, and you and I both know how critical these next couple of weeks and months will be. But what do you think Liam coming Liam Cohen coming back to Lexington means for this program in this offseason for Mark Stoops? Yeah, Sam, I think you hit it right on the head. It's consistency. That's what it is about to me, and that's why I asked that in the first place, because you talked about it. Three offensive coordinators in three seasons. Nope. It's it's it, The turnover is not great. We need someone in here who is consistently building. You look at our team right now, Sam, especially on the offensive side of the football. Young, very, very young. Talented wide receivers, talented tight ends, and then you have a young offensive line that frankly just went through hell for a season, right? They went through hell, but that is only going to make the ones who are back for next season extremely strong and to have dealt with those struggles and those pains and those moments where it's it's tough to get through, but they they fought through the season, and so that is going to be great for them in the long run. And you bring in Liam Cohen, and he brings that consistency. Whoever is on our offense next season, he is going to do the same thing he did the year before when he got here. And he's going to assess the talent that we have, and he's going to work with them to build an offensive scheme that is going to put the ball in the end zone and highlight and get the ball to the people in places that they can be extremely successful. You, you'll you see it, Sam. Barry and Brown and Dane Key are going to be a huge part of what our offense looks like next year. He's going to have to find a way to get them the ball. We're going to have to improve our running game without the likes of Chris Rodriguez as he heads off to the NFL for next season. And Sam, having Liam Cohen there makes me feel, and I know probably you and the rest of BBN feel as if whoever we do bring in, he is going to work with them in the same capacity in the way that he worked with Will Levis. And I'm not saying to expect some guy to come in here and then then automatically be the next Will Levis, who's a top five pick in the top 10 pick in the NFL or whatever. But what I'm talking about is an offensive coordinator who's going to work extremely hard with his quarterback to develop that relationship and work with him on a daily basis to grow his strengths and then to help grow this offense to put us in the best position to be successful. So he's absolutely critical. And I know it's, it's, it's tough because we think like, if he would have just stayed, what, what would have been like? And, and so it's, it's hard to get that out of your mind, Sam. It really is. And I get that, but it is what it is. You know, I think we went through this season, he went back to the NFL and at the end of the day, 
it's kind of funny how things work out, but the Rams are coming off a Super Bowl. Liam gets his big chance to now become the offensive coordinator under his guy, Sean McVay. And that team, I mean, you think about Kentucky dealing with struggles on their offensive line and injuries and not being able to protect their quarterback. The Rams have officially just shut Matthew Stafford down two-thirds of the way through the season, just said, nope, nope, he's... We can't get him killed anymore. It's a rotating door of quarterbacks. You saw it last night. Baker Mayfield comes in off the street, leads him on a game-winning drive. And so a lot of that has to do with the way that's a microcosm of who Liam Cohen is, was last night. A guy shows up in town 48 hours or less, and Liam Cohen works every waking second with this guy to get him prepared to go out there and to be able to win a football game. That's just who that guy is. And so that's what you should be able to expect is to him to come back. And it, like I said, it's just crazy, man. They dealt with so much crap, and then he winds up saying, all right, it's it's just kind of the way it goes, but he's back now, and so it's that consistency, Sam, is what we need from him and him building this offense back up and getting the confidence of everybody back up and being able to go out there and score points because you alluded to it, Sam. At this day and age in college football, you have to score points. As much as it's great as our defense played all season, and I fully expect our defense to be able to Maybe not be as good next year, maybe be better, depends on what transpires, but they should be in that same sort of range there and being one of the better defenses. You know, I talked about that in my opening. I said, on paper, we should have been one of the better defenses in the country, kind of depended on how our secondary played. They stepped up to the plate. And so there you have it. We had a top 15 defense in all of college football this season. So you can definitely build on that. And now it's just a matter of building back up this offense to a place to get to where our defense is and start to compete in some of these big time games. And I think that Liam Cohen is the first domino to fall for those things to all happen. One thing that we do need to touch on, Sam, as far as coaching goes, we did get rid of our running back coach, John Settle, after two years, he is out. Now, I know most people would say, hey, well, obviously we fired our running back coach because we averaged 3.3 yards per carry this season and our running our running game was a joke. But Sam, can you give the listeners a little insight into why John Settle is no longer with the program and where we go about filling that position and how Mark Stoops wants to go about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you you hinted to it, but the run game this year was a glaring issue at times. I think if you actually break down the numbers, AJ, what Chris Rodriguez did for this Kentucky Wildcats team this year is nothing short of almost impossible, AJ. Because when you look at it as far as yards after contact of first tackle – he had the most yards in the country, AJ. And our average play to contact when we rushed the ball was negative yards when he made first contact, AJ. What? And look, and look, and look. I know that comes down to blocking and X, Y, and Z. But 
what Chris Rodriguez did solely because he's Chris Rodriguez and he's one of the only running backs in the entire country that can do something like that is a product of our running back coach, AJ, unfortunately. And, and I say that because if you were to plug in someone else that is not the back that Chris Rodriguez is, we have an entirely different season on the run game. And it already was a glaring issue at times. So I can't even imagine if we didn't have Chris Rodriguez back there. So that's my opportunity to give him flowers. But moving forward, we clearly, AJ, do not have our go-to back going into next year. We have McLean. We lose Cavassier Smoke. We lose Chris Rodriguez. You lose your two biggest products in the backfield. You have a running back coach that has shown this year that he struggled with our talent, and it's an opportunity to Mark Stoops to pair someone with Liam Cohen that can work efficiently going forward and to bring in talent that they can develop over the next couple of years. Because clearly, AJ, we're going to have to hit the portal and we're going to have to develop our talent that comes in off the street graduating from high school. It's a perfect time, AJ, in my opinion, and I know Mark Stoops likely saw it the exact same way, to bring in someone new and start fresh here. Because clearly the last season was not his best effort, and we had to address it. And what a better time to do it when you're already bringing in a new offensive coordinator so they can come up with new ways to be creative, to get the ball into our running back's hands going forward next season. At the same time, AJ, we talked about it earlier, but our running back coach, and it sounds like going forward, will be doing the same responsibilities, is in charge of special teams. Boy, what an absolute failure that was this year. Mark Stoops said, going into next season, we will most likely hire a new running back coach that will also be our special teams coordinator. When you break it down like that, for the people that maybe weren't aware of that, we clearly had to get rid of our special teams coordinator because nothing went right. And I know there's quotes at the time from Mark Stoops saying, I don't know what to do, hold the football, kick the football, make it go through the uprights. There's not much more to be done. There is AJ, and unfortunately, it never was addressed throughout the season. I mean, we talked about it in our last episode covering the game against the Louisville Cardinals, good for chance poor, or Matt Ruffalo, I mean, sorry, excuse me, for figuring it out and being able to kick through the uprights, but that had to be addressed, and ultimately that's why we see a opening in Lexington, Kentucky for our new running backs coach and special teams coordinator. Yeah, Sam, and and I appreciate you bringing that up and uh, pointing that out as far as the special teams was concerned and how that was definitely a part of um, – what was going on there. And then also, Sam, you touched on it, but being able to bring guys in and develop them, I think Mark Stoops was not entirely pleased with the recruiting efforts of the running back coach as that was a responsibility of his to be able to go out there and help bring in running backs and help recruit those running backs and being able to build them up and get them ready to be able to go out there and produce. And outside of 
our workhorse, Chris Rodriguez. I mean, you saw Jatan McLean at times step up, but really when you look at a guy like Cavassier Smoke, we were always left wanting more. And then outside of that, you really don't have much production at all from any of those other running backs. So I think, like you said, it was the perfect time, Sam, for Mark Stoops to make a change there, be able to bring someone in, in collaboration with Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator and really kick this thing up a notch and, and get it settled down and in the right direction and onward and upward. So we still need to fill that position. It will be extremely important and will be interesting to see where Mark Stoops and the rest of this staff go with this decision and who they decide ultimately to bring in to be a part of this. My only wish is that you bring in somebody who wants to work with Liam and wants to be a part of this and you can get some cohesion and some stability and not get guys who are just going to jump ship after a year and take a better job or do this or do that. You want to get some guys in here who are really going to stick around and, and be entrenched into what is going on here. Sam, we have touched on a ton of of stuff. I know it has been an absolute whirlwind as we break down the entire season as a whole. We've talked about all of the games so far, what transpired, the biggest takeaways that we saw in what ultimately led to a season that was disappointing in the eyes of us and of the rest of BBN losing five games a stain of a loss against Vanderbilt, a home loss against South Carolina, and then some tough losses as well in SEC play. We have talked about the two coaches who have been let go by Mark Stoops, and then the one coach already who has been rehired to come back, Liam Cohen, as the offensive coordinator the only thing that we really haven't touched on are the players who are going to be leaving our program. Obviously, we've already touched on Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez are the two biggest names and two massive positions that we are going to need to fill going forward. Is there anybody else that you wanted to touch on that you thought leaving the program is quite significant in a role in which we are going to have to look for this offseason to fill immediately to be able to continue to build and grow depth and have guys who can go out there and produce at the same level next season? Yeah, AJ, I mean, um, we talked about it earlier, but there are some positions on our offensive line that have to be addressed, which have already seen some sparks there. I mean, we already got a transfer from Alabama, four-star Tanner Bowles. He's coming in. He's building the bricks of the big blue wall again to the prevalence that it has been consistently for the past couple of years. I know we faltered this year, but we need to get our program back to where it was with that big blue wall. I'd be remiss if I didn't say a couple of names on the defensive end, AJ. I mean, 
losing the likes of DeAndre Square is going to be no easy position to fill. Losing the likes of J.J. Weaver is going to be extremely difficult. Jaquiz Jones, our linebacker position, A.J., is definitely a slight question mark going into next season. We saw our talented linebackers really step out, step up through the end of the season, A.J., which leaves me with a lot of optimism in that key position next year on the defensive side of the ball. But you, you can't immediately replace that leadership both on the field and off the field, which is something that I had to call out because DeAndre Square, A.J., was a Josh Allen to me. I mean, the way he could not only impact a game but impact our presence defensively was extremely vital to the type of season that we had this year and in previous seasons. So that's going to be a guy that I I really – miss moving forward he was a Kentucky Wildcat through and through and that's going to be a difficult void to address I mean don't get me wrong there's a lot more names on that list that we're going to have to address both defensively and offensively but that's one or two or three names that absolutely jump off the page at me that we are going to have to be replacing whether it be internally and guys taking that next step or addressing it through the transfer portal, AJ, because truthfully, the production that we got out of those three core defensive players for us likely can't be addressed, in my honest opinion, AJ, by a true freshman. It's very difficult to go out. I mean, you're asking to find an absolute stud five-star to be able to replace the knowledge and the experience that those three, those three players collectively had together. Yeah, and I think one player just to touch on that we saw at the end of the season be able to fill in and start to grow in that role was Trevin Wallace. And I think he is the guy that you build around within that core of defensive players there at the first level, that linebacking level, and and then go from there. So you really like the play of him. It's a nice thought to have him already being playing significant snaps this season, stepping into that full-time role, see his leadership grow, see him grow as a player. So really excited to see where he is able to go. But like you said, Sam, a lot of key positions to fill. We've talked about it a little bit already, but I just wanted to touch on the transfer portal, Sam. We've beaten around the bush a little bit here, but just to clarify for everybody, the portal is open and it's very clear that players from all around the country are entering their name into the portal with the hope and expectation of being able to find a different home with a different team Some guys with multiple years of eligibility, some guys with one or two years of eligibility. It would be insane and no good for me to sit here and try to discuss with all of you all the players that are out there in the portal and where we might be able to go about filling our positions of need and trying to find these guys all over the country that could come and fit with our football team, right? I don't think that conversation is going to do us any good. But with that being said, 
The transfer portal has now become a very key component of building your football team as you do with recruiting through high school. And then you have to look at your team and recognize where you are and recognize where can we go and bring in a player at a position that is a need right now so that our team does not significantly drop off. And obviously, Will Levis is leaving, so quarterback is the number one. Sam already alluded, there are reports out there that Graham Mertz is supposed to be transferring to Kentucky, so we will keep you all posted there. But we need to continue to pay attention to the transfer portal. It'll be very interesting to see who we ultimately are able to to go and get but there are just a crap ton of names out there it seems like every single second somebody is putting their name into the hat as far as Kentucky is concerned I mean Chauncey Magwood Demarcus Harris Chris Lewis a lot of our young wide receivers Sam already alluded to the fact Cavassier Smoke Rashawn Lewis I mean Keaton Upshaw John Young, offensive tackle. I mean, listen, that's a lot of guys. And, Jones. Yeah, and Sam, that's every team in the country, right? That's yep. This isn't a Kentucky problem. Don't ever look at this and say, oh my gosh, these guys all hate Mark Stoops and they hate what's going on here. No, that's that's not the case, guys. This has become the new norm of college football. It's almost like a free agency, and it yeah. adds – it is – if done correctly, it can be a, and you've seen it with John Calipari in the basketball world, it it can help you build your basketball or football team in a way in which you weren't able to do before. And so it adds this element in here, Sam, of the fact that this is a way for us, if used smartly, to go out there and this can be another one of those pieces like we talked about throughout this offseason to help us to continue to grow as a team and as a program and not take a few steps backward and start to regress as we continue on into the future. Yeah, no, AJ, I mean, the, the transfer portal, much like it has for college basketball, has forever changed the landscape of college football. I think it's critical the way not only Mark Stoops and his staff and this Kentucky football team, but all teams approach the transfer portal because I think it's a different caliber player that you're recruiting than, say, a stud coming out of high school. The reason I say that, AJ, is because a lot of the reasons you are finding so many people entering their name into the transfer portal is honestly their desired fit going forward, AJ. So I think the way that we're approaching those recruits is critical that we're slightly approaching them differently. I think your standard recruit, and don't get me wrong, this isn't for every scenario. This isn't every single recruit, but to generalize it, when you speak to Mark Stoops and the rest of the staff and all of college football, your standard recruit coming out of high school, that's who you're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at and you're trying to negotiate NIL and collectives and how much they're able to make because they're looking at it as, okay, I might go to the school for the next three years. Here's where my opportunities are. When you're looking at a transfer, AJ, 
their biggest concern most likely is I need to find a better fit and a better opportunity to showcase my talents to make it to the next level and be a bigger impact on the team that I play for. So, you know, that's where you, you, you even alluded to it, AJ, you might see more immediate impact players because it's a player that has experience that's ready to come in and fill a void that your team does not have. So, I mean, honestly, I just wanted to bring that up because although NIL is going to be a monumental mover going forward for all recruitment efforts, it's just something to keep in the back of your minds that when we go up and we get these recruits coming from the transfer portal, we're addressing an area of concern and it's a unique opportunity that if done so correctly, like you said, AJ, can keep your team away from from recruiting class issues. Because when when you recruit, AJ, you would dress the players that you expect to leave. And this is such a unique opportunity now in college football to go out and fill a hole that would not have been filled elsewhere. So, you know, it's going to be a critical offseason. We talked about it, AJ, and I cannot wait to go on this roller coaster of a ride with you. 100%, Sam, and I think that'll about do it for us tonight. We've talked a lot, covered a lot. Just to recap real quick, the whole season in general – Maybe not as great as we wanted it to be, but Sam, I think if you listen to what we were talking about, there are some things that transpired throughout the season that caused us to go in a different direction. It may not have been what we liked, but we loved the way the team fought throughout the season, never gave up, continued to progress it could have been very detrimental to have a team that gave up and quit and then we're we're having a very 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 different discussion right now instead of the one we're having where there is a lot of optimism for where we can go into the future we'll keep our eye on the transfer portal we'll keep our eye on the recruiting that is happening right now it's going to be a whirlwind of an offseason, Sam. You said it yourself about 100 times. It is extremely, extremely critical what we do this offseason. A couple of the pieces of the puzzle are starting to get figured out. So we'll keep you guys informed on how the rest of those pieces start to come together. I'd be remiss if I didn't say one thing about the fact that yes we do have a kentucky basketball game today against the yale bulldogs let's get this thing we're back in rupp arena for a saturday game there's nothing like it and kentucky got that signature win in the early stages of their season against michigan Let's come back. Let's have a great game against the Yale Bulldogs. If you want to know more about that matchup, go back one episode. We previewed the game. We broke down the matchups. We told you what to expect from these Yale Bulldogs against our Kentucky Wildcats on the hardwood. 
Just wanted to get that out there real quick. Sam, if there's anything else that you wanted to say to tie a bow onto this football season as a whole, I will give you that opportunity. If not, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for coming on here and giving your honest opinions on some of these things and for keeping it real and for telling these listeners exactly what transpired this year and how critical this time is going forward. Absolutely, AJ. Onward and upward, we're going to build something that Mark Stoops has worked extremely hard for, and I have full faith in him and the staff that he's putting together. Let's go out. Let's get another much-needed win in Rupp Arena tomorrow against these Yale Bulldogs, and let's keep our season rolling, baby. Absolutely. Have a good night, Sam. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.